On today's episode of the Trade Busters podcast, we're going to be looking at some of my latest research and a major update to one of my strategies, the SPY 45 DTE income strategy. Just a quick disclaimer before we start, I'm not a financial advisor and everything on this podcast is for informational purposes only and not to be construed as investment advice. Now, um, if you haven't already, you're going to want to go back and listen to episode five, which was a deep dive into the SPY 45 DTE income strategy. And you're also going to want to take a look at my trading page at www.thetradebusters.com. There's a link there to the 45 DTE strategy, although um, based on the research, I may no longer be calling it that because bottom line, we're going to be extending the DTE. Uh, So I may change the name to something like multi DTE strategy. I'm not sure yet, but for now, um, it's basically not the two to three DTE, not the seven DTE, whatever is the third strategy on there. Take the link to that page. And on that page, there's going to be multiple tabs. In this episode, I'm going to be referring to the capital efficiency study, right? On that page, there's multiple tabs with the mechanics. And by the way, the base mechanics are still the same, which is why um, you're going to want to listen to that episode, episode five. Um, there's my trade logs, uh, PL graphs, a longitudinal study, back year, uh, multiple year back test, last year's trade logs. But this episode, we're going to be looking at the capital efficiency study. So what the update is, um, as I mentioned, is the fact that we're going to be extending the DTE. Um, and actually, this is going to have the effect of boosting the capital efficiency and therefore the return on capital. Now, one thing I want to stress is it's very important to understand when we do these kind of studies, this is a prime example of the fact that options are very multidimensional. Okay. You know, we're tuning these parameters to try to optimize for a certain kind of performance, but it's never that straightforward, right? There's going to be different aspects where there's pros and cons and depending on what your priorities are you're going to want to pick and choose which one suits your needs so what i want to say is listen to this episode um, and follow along the tables don't skip around uh, you might need to listen to it a couple times because again i'm going to be talking about a few aspects that all kind of drive or will drive your decision on where you ultimately land up now the 45 DT strategy is the only one of my current strategies that have a profit take, right? We're taking, uh, it was 50% profit, now it's 60% profit, but we can get into that as well. And the reason is because for out of the money options, um, the further you are, the decay behavior throughout the life of the cycle is actually different than at the money options, right? At the money options tend to decay slower in the front half of the cycle and then accelerate the theta decay towards the back half of the cycle. It's actually reversed for out-of-the-money options. Basically, it's faster for the front half or the front part of the expiration cycle and slower towards the back half. Um, Essentially, you know, uh, going with the original 45 DTE strategy and the 50% profit take, the average time in trade was 11 days, right? So basically, that means that we are capturing 50% of the profit in a quarter of the time cycle, right? So if you can capture 50% of the profit in a quarter of the time, there's no need to wait 
three quarters of the remaining time to try to capture the second half, right? You can close it, take the capital off, recycle it, put on another position. And again, with the 45 DT strategy, it is intended to be one position put on every single day. And essentially you have a average book size, which is just the number of overlapping positions based on how much time and trade you have on average. So the original study is still on here. This was looking at different levels of profit take, but keeping it at the 45 DTE. Now, I've added three extra tables. Depending on when you're watching this right now, tonight is August 17th, uh, August 17th 2021. There may be some lines missing um, because there's a lot of iterations now, and I haven't finished the testing. Although by the time you listen and watch this, you may it may all be there. So essentially, at the moment, I have three extra tables. One of them is at 50% profit target. One of them is at 60%. One one of them is at 70%. And the profit take level is going to be indicated in the title of the chart. But for this episode, I'm going to be focusing on the 60% profit take. Okay, so it's going to be five delta, 60% profit target, exiting after 24 days. So a little bit of a nuance here. Remember, when we entered at 45 days, there used to be a hard exit at 21 DTE. So that's basically a maximum of 24 days in trade. So I've decided to keep that consistent on all three um, of these studies at the different DTEs, um, or not all three, but all five, I guess. So we're essentially taking a fixed 24-day slice out of that decay curve, okay? Now, I realize that's a, a bit arbitrary, and there may be some testing to do on different time durations, but for, for purposes of this, it's 24 days. There's a 2x stop loss. Uh, this was a back test from 2016 to 2020. Now, uh, again, this middle table with the 60% profit take, there are th- uh, five levels of DTE, 45, 60, 90, 120, 150. And again, uh, the study is enter at that DTE and then hard exit 24 days in. So 90 days, if you enter that 90 DTE, the hard exit meaning if you don't have a profit take or a stop loss, you'd be exiting at 66 days, right? 120 days would be exiting at 96 days. So let's look at these metrics. Some of these are pretty straightforward, and some of them are a little more nuanced, and it's the combination of these that really drives the capital efficiency. So win rate. Um, If we go down the table, the win rate goes down a little bit lower as you go from 45 days to 150, right? So it starts at 88%. And by the time you reach 150 DTE, uh, it's 81%. And part of this is because uh, the theta decay is a little slower at the longer DTE as expected. And probably it's a little more sensitive to Vega. So I'm thinking, and again, because 24 days is kind of arbitrary, we're taking this uh, arbitrary time slice. Uh, So if you think about it for 24 days, um, compared to 45 days, right? You're letting it right at least halfway through. So there's a, a lot of chance for you to hit that profit target or at least recover you know, from a loss, for example. Whereas with, on the opposite extreme with 150 days, 24 days is you know, less than one-sixth or maybe it's around one-sixth of that, right? So um, the win rate's lower by virtue of the fact that sometimes you're just kind of exiting arbitrarily even though when it's a partial loss. So this makes sense. Um, the average win size, this is the second column. 
Now this is normalized, okay? So I've taken the PL of each trade and just divided it by the credit received to get a uh, proportion uh, as, as a function of the credit. So uh, if you think about it this way, if you collected a dollar and you took the full profit, one dollar, that's 100%, right? If you collected 50 cents on the dollar, that's 50%. And if you collected, or you know, if you lost, or we'll get to the loss in a section uh, in a second, but if you only kept 10 cents, right, that's 10%, right? So you can see the average win size on these. Again, average win size, uh, remember, these are all taking profit at 60%. Um, the average win size goes down as you go down the table. Again, this makes sense because as you get longer duration, it's a little less likely to hit that full profit target. Um, so that's a trade-off, that makes sense. Average loss. So this might be a little confusing because it's like, why does the average loss go down when all of them have a stop loss at 2x? So for 45 days, you can see the average stop loss is a little bit over two. And that's because probably uh, there's some gaps that bring the average above two. So most of the losses on 45 days are from stops. Um, once you get to 60 days and above, what happens is you will actually start getting some trades that exit at that hard exit date. Right, that's not a stop loss, but it's a partial loss, um, and you can see that at 150 days, even though there's a 2x stop loss, the average loss size is less than 1x. Right, so again, this is normalized loss size relative to the credit. Okay, so uh, and, and I did some math um, and I aggregated some metrics, and yes, the, you know your loss rate is x. Right, so if the for example 150 days win rate's 81, so your loss rate is 19, and the stop rate was something like half of that, right? So it shows that some of the losses are partial losses. Um, so the average win and average loss basically give you your risk reward ratio, right? So it's risk over reward. So that's just um, the loss column divided by the win column. So you can see um, because the loss size is bigger for the shorter duration, the risk reward is 3.3 which is bad, or I mean, relatively. And then as you get to the 150 days, you get 2.4 um, because the loss size is smaller compared to the win size relatively. So this is a good thing. So that's a, it's a favorable trait as you trend towards longer DTE, okay? Now, average time in trade, um, this one is self-explanatory, and I think this is not surprising. The longer DTE you go in, Data is slower, the K is slower, so it takes longer to exit the trade, okay? So 45 DT has 13 days average, 60 day has 16, and all the way up to 150 DT, there's 22 days, right? So this makes sense, and this favors the lower DTE. So you'll notice and on these tables, I've highlighted green to show what is the most favorable trait for that category, and one thing you'll notice is that it's not always the same strategy that has the most favorable trade. Again, to emphasize that these are multidimensional, there's a lot of nuances, um, and it's really putting these all together, understanding the implications to help you choose uh, what's gonna be best fit for your style or your portfolio. Now, average book size, I've explained this before, this is directly derived from the average days in trade, because we're putting on a trade every day, so the, the formula is basically average time in trade multiplied, um, Sorry, divided by seven, multiplied by five, right? The, divide by seven because how many weeks it is, and then multiply by five because you can only put on five trades a week. So, you know, 13 days in trade, 
divided by 7 times 5 gives you 9.3. This is the average book size. Average book size, again, is the, the average number of multiple positions you're going to have overlapped at any one time. Because we're taking 24 days as the maximum time in trade, the theoretical max book size is 17. So let me see, 24 divided by 7 times 5. Oops. 24 divided by 7 times 5. Yeah, 17.1. So that's the maximum book size. So just know that regardless of which strategy you run, there may be times where you approach max book size briefly. But average book size, as determined by average time and trade, again, is shortest for 45 DTE. So that makes sense. It trends higher as you get to 150. Now, this is where things start to get really interesting. Credit ratio. So one interesting aspect and is a key to all of my strategies is the fact that I do what's called credit targeting. And there's an episode on that that you can listen into. And it's the fundamental basis for all of my strategies. So if I'm trying to hit a certain credit target, it means that if I click more per contract, right, I can actually get less contracts to hit the same credit target. Now, here's the interesting thing. At the same delta, we all know that for example, at a fixed five delta, if you go to longer duration, you're going to get more credit, right? So 60 days, five delta is going to be more credit. 90 days, five delta going to be more credit. And therefore, you can use less contracts to hit the same uh, credit target. So this favors the long um, duration. Now, there's the next three columns, uh, the, this credit ratio, premium capture, BPR ratio. These are going to drive what is called the capital efficiency ratio. I basically want to compare why you would do one strategy over the other by looking at how efficient and the ROC is. So this credit ratio, I've designed it to be normalized to the 45 DTE in order to give a multiplicative, it's almost like a bonus to the capital efficiency ratio, right? So with 45 DTE being the base credit, what I did was I looked at various credit sizes for the same delta. Um, and this was a snapshot. So you can see, probably see the formulas in my sheet where I multiplied. So for example, um, 60 days, this is uh, 60 days, the credit ratio, I have 11.4 over 9.2. Because at the time, on the day when I when I did this study, uh, the credit for the five delta at 60 days was $11.40. This was on SPX. And then the credit for um, 45 DTE was 9.2. So it was a higher. So I'm taking the higher credit, dividing by the baseline credit to give this ratio. So you can see that 150 days, the ratio is 2.24 because the credit received is more than double of 45 DTE. However, you'll notice, and this is something we all know, because theta accelerates towards the um, expiration, you do not get a linear increase in the credit as you extend duration, right? So for example, 90 days is double the time of 45 days. The credit is not double, right? And similarly, um, 150 days uh, or 120 days is double of 60 days, but you know, the credit is not double of that. So we'll get into why that's important in a moment, but again, we, we kind of all know that your credit received does not increase at a linear rate as you increase DTE, but it does go up clearly. Uh, premium capture. This is something you guys all know already. Um, I use this all the time. Basically, I took the average win size, average loss size, multiplied out by the win rate and loss rate. And this is the expectancy, aka premium capture rate. Um, the 29% at 45 DTE, this is something I knew. 
and it does go down slightly or actually goes down a lot um, as you go higher DTE. This is because um, the win rate goes down, which affects that greatly. And even though the win rate goes down and then the risk reward ratio does improve, it's not enough to overcome that drop in win rate. All right, so this is one of those trade-offs. Premium capture rate is higher for the 45 DTE, meaning if you're trying to get the same return, you're going to have to sell more premium at the higher DTEs to get the same net PNL, right? If I'm collecting 29% at 45 days and I sold $100,000 of premium, I'm going to collect $2,900 or sorry, 20, $29,000. Whereas if I sold $100,000 premium at 150 DTE and only collected 15%, I'm only going to make 15,000. So this looks like it's worse to do 150 DTE, right? And this is where it gets tricky. Um, because we haven't looked at the full picture yet, okay? The last thing to look at, and this is something that's very interesting, and again, it unfortunately only applies to portfolio margin, is as you get further out in time at the same delta, right? Not only are you getting more credit at the same delta, we just talked about that, you're getting further from the money, okay? And by virtue of that, it actually requires less margin, and this is because portfolio margin calculates your margin requirement using a simulated stress test, right? They, they simulate basically uh, some percentage up move in the market, some percentage down move, and probably some factor in some um, expansion of volatility. I don't know the exact formula, but you can imagine if I sold a position 10% out of the money and they did a 10% stress test, you would expect a certain loss, which translates to a certain margin requirement, if I sold a position that was 20% out of the money, same 10% stress test, it's going to be assumed to be less impacted by that 10% drop. And therefore, the margin requirement goes down. So how have I captured this in the BPR ratio? Again, using the 45 DT as a baseline, and I was um, looking at the margin requirement on a, on a given day for the same delta put. So for example, if you look at uh, the 60 DTE BPR ratio, uh, the formula is 25,000 over 27,000. Basically, at the time, the BPR for one naked put was 27,000 for 45 DTE, and it was 25,000 for 60 DTE. So you can see that I um, divided the smaller amount by the larger amount to get this uh, reduced BPR ratio. Uh, if we just go to the opposite extreme at 150 DTE, if you look at this, 16,800, right? Divided by the 27,000 of the 45 DTE. So this margin requirement, let me do this math real quick, 16.8 divided by 27.1, 61, you get a 40% reduction in margin just based on how far out of the money it is, okay? So we're gonna put all of these together, okay? Um, my old study up at the top had the capital efficiency ratio, but I didn't have this credit ratio and I didn't have this BPR ratio, right? So we are going to add all that together. So the new capital efficiency ratio, okay, if you look at the formula, it's basically um, premium capture at the top uh, because that's sort of the baseline. Like premium capture ultimately is driving how profitable the trade is pound for pound, but we multiply by 
the credit ratio again because higher credit ratio is is benefiting you and we divide by the um, average book size um, the reason we do this is because average book size is also a proxy for how many positions you have which is how much buying power you're using so larger book size is bad so we're dividing by that so this is a it negatively affects the capital efficiency if you have a bigger average book size but then finally we divide by this bpr ratio right so dividing by a smaller number um, boosts the ratio so we put all of these together and you can see that there does seem to be inflection in fact 90 dte is the highest capital efficiency ratio out of the bunch now i want to clarify something again this is very nuanced okay what does this mean because clearly premium capture ratio uh capture rate is highest for the 45 dte okay and then the capital efficiency ratio is highest for the 90 dte what does that mean it means and you have to be careful when sort of drawing conclusions okay if you were to sell the same amount of premium okay if i sold a hundred thousand of premium with the 45 dte and i sold a hundred thousand of premium with the 90 dte you're just going to make more with the 45 dte right because at the end of the day it's going to capture more of that okay so that's going to make it look like again that the 45 dte is better but this is missing the point right what the capital efficiency ratio is telling you is instead of selling the same amount of premium you're targeting the same amount of return okay so let me give you an example rather than just saying i'm going to sell x amount of premium and size my trade consistently let's say i wanted to make a hundred thousand dollars okay so let's do a quick example if i want to make a hundred thousand dollars at a 29 percent capture rate i would have to sell 344,000 of premium, right? For the 45 DTE strategy. And this translates based on average book size, the time and trade, it translates to a certain number of positions, a certain number of premium you sell per entry. And that gives you sort of an average buying power utilization, okay? Now, if I were to target the same 100,000 of profit, but because 90 DTE had only a 24% capture rate, instead of the um the previous number we would actually have to sell one second one hundred thousand we would have to sell four hundred sixteen thousand of premium so you have to sell more premium to get that same level of return but here is where the final conclusion is even though you have to sell more premium remember you're collecting more credit per contract at the 90 dte which means you need less contracts, okay? And because each contract needs less buying power, the net effect, all right? The net effect is that if you're trying to target a fixed return, you can do so with less buying power at 90 DTE, okay? This is despite the fact that 90 DTE has a greater average book size right that that book size 14.3 is in fact uh 53 percent larger right it's, it's a 53 percent larger number of positions but because of the higher credit each position uses 
less contracts and each contract uses less margin, right? So again, there's a lot of moving parts, which is why you may need to listen to this a couple of times or look at the table, but that's how the numbers shake out, all right? For the same target return, you can do so with less capital on average used at 90 DTE. And finally, the final column is the Kelly ratio. Um, and again, this is a kind of a measure of the information ratio or information edge and a strategy. And that's determined by the win rate, the, the win size, the loss size. And they're all pretty good, right? Um, 60 DT, in fact, has the highest one, um, but uh, 45 and 90 are pretty close. Now, before I let you guys go, I am right now leaning towards 60 DTE. Uh, and this is, and I'll kind of walk through my thoughts, right? Because again, this is very nuanced, okay? If you want to make more, that's one quality. If you want to use less capital so you can leverage more and do other strategies, that's another quality. But if you want less risk, less drawdown, right? That's another quality. The 90 DT or the higher DTEs in general, because of the bigger book size on average, you're because remember, each entry is based on the credit you want to receive based on a credit target and therefore the loss size because it's 2x uh, your credit is a proxy for your risk and therefore your book size is a proxy for your total risk at play at any one time right so the bigger your book the more you could lose if there was a some event you know a big drop that wiped you out wiped out the whole book stopped everything out right so you're carrying more risk at any one time at 90 days, even though your capital is less, right? So it might be kind of hard to wrap your head around that, right? but that's just how the portfolio margin works, okay? You carry more risk of you know the 2x stop in absolute terms, even though you're using less capital, right? So just think about that for a second. But... Uh, based on what I'm going to be using this in my portfolio because I'm pairing with some other strategies, I feel like it's justified to reduce the book size a bit um, and give up a little bit of the capital efficiency because I'm not trying to leverage my account that hard anyways. Um, so this was, you know, looking at, I've been looking at these tables like all day, today and yesterday, and, and that's kind of where I'm sitting at right now because like, you know, we look at the capture rate. Um, 60, 60 days has 28%, which is way up there with the 45D, right? It, it drops down like 1%. Whereas with the 90DT, it drops down to 24%. So that's kind of a big drop in the capture ratio, even though the capital efficiency is highest, right? Um, but really that paired with the book size, I think that's kind of what's tipping me over to 60 days right now. Like I'd rather have... Um, just because the average book size is 11.4 for 60 days, whereas it's 14.3 for 90 days. So that represents like a 20% reduction in the book size. And through the back testing, the drawdowns were a little bigger for 90 days, 120 days, 150, for example. Because remember, you can make more, but you take more risk, right? There's always a trade-off. So anyways, that is... Where are we now? This is, yeah, this episode got quite a bit longer than I expected, but I really want to get this out here because I wanted to really showcase uh, 
um, this kind of, I think it's pretty cutting edge, the type of research and how deep I like to go on these things and just show you, again, the, the multi-dimensional aspect of options and how there's so many moving parts. And when you put them all together, qualitatively, you can really tease out some really interesting observations and be more informed in the decision for where you want to take your strategy and have more conviction and know why something should work and why something shouldn't and where the advantages and disadvantages are. Um, anyways, I've spoken long enough. Um, let's leave it there today. Um, as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. It's available on most of the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also find more of my content at my trading page. And once again, www.thetradebusters.com, where you can find all of my strategy mechanics and trade logs, as well as essays I have written on various topics and other podcasts I recommend you listen to. Finally, you can follow me on Twitter at The Trade Buster. That's it for today. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.